Welcome to the Wild and Free podcast, episode one. Our theme is playful. I'm Ainsley Arment, and joining me today is Tina Ingold. In just a little bit, we're going to hear an interview between Jennifer Pepito and Stephanie Beatty. So get your cup of coffee and join us on the front porch. Let's get started. play it's a theme of wild and free we talk mm-hmm. about play a lot and Definitely. we talk yeah. about childhood a lot and just giving our mm-hmm. kids time to play and so we just decided to create a whole bundle just all about being playful I think one of the main things that we wanted to do was not just talk about play like what is play you know for one I think we like mm-hmm. oh, our kids have no problem playing if anything we're like okay, we're going to run to the bathroom real quick. And then we come back and all hell is broken loose. And they're just in 18 different directions. Like our kids don't have problems playing, you know, it's just natural for them. We can't even, we're like, ah. And then how do you know? Like, do you like try to steer them back to like the table work or the book work or Mm -hmm. just let them play? Like, how do you handle that? I don't know. Yeah, well, I definitely think there's um, intentional play and non-intentional play. And for us, like as a part of homeschooling, intentional play really means that we, you know, we gather together at a specific place, whether it's outside on a blanket or at our kitchen table, and we do something intentional. Like if I, you know, feel like maybe math is something that we're really struggling with, um, then we'll pull out the Uno cards or we play War or um, Five Crowns Junior is a really great game to play um, relating to math. Five or, Crowns Junior? What is yeah, that? Yeah, Five Crowns. Five, oh, five Crowns Junior. Yeah, and it's actually a little <laughs> bit more. <laughs> whatever. It's kind of more for younger, like my older kids aren't really as into it, but um, the littles, you know, I have a three-year-old and a five-year-old, they're really into it because it's basically all you have to do is you have to get um, five of the same number cards or five of the same color cards. So it's really simple for younger kids, but um, but you know, we make the older kids play too, just <laughs> so we have more people. Everyone but. does the same thing. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so that's kind of intentional play for us. And then the non-intentional is just, you know, where we pack a lunch and I send the kids off to play in our backwoods. We have, you know, lots of woods in our backyard. And so they just go out there and explore and they'll be out there for hours. And I really don't know what they're doing, but every once in a while I'll catch glimpses of them. And, um, actually one time, um, it was really snowy and, um, I looked out the window and we have this huge ravine and my youngest, he was two at the time. I saw him trying to come up the hill and he kept falling and I could tell he was crying and he was so frustrated. And, you know, of course, the initial inclination as a mother is to, I wanted to run out there after him and grab him and bring him up. And I fought it. I thought, okay, I'm just going to wait this out and watch and see what happens. And pretty soon the older two siblings caught up to him and they, you know, one on one side, one on the other, and they, they pulled him up the hill and I had tears streaming down my face. I probably was, I don't know, hormonal that day, but it just was so like rewarding and awesome to see like this teamwork happening right before my eyes. And, you know, just me not rushing out there after them to try to help him. I felt like was really rewarding you know in the end to just see I don't know see them working together
there's just so much research that even supports like all the things that they're learning while they play from like the cognitive development to team building and communicating with others and fostering the imagination and when they do pretend play like they will pretend scenarios that help them experiment with different emotions like have you ever seen your daughters or I mean even your boys too but like I especially see it in my daughter where she'll make up some scenario and I can hear her playing with her dolls or her little people and I'm thinking oh my gosh like why is she pretending to like be so sad or be so you know bossy or whatever and it's just like children like to try on different emotions through pretend play that they would never do just interacting Mm. with an adult or even sometimes with other children depending on their personality you know but I love that you also mentioned that you do like the card games for math Mm. and things like that because that was something even like when we were putting together this playful bundle I was trying to think of all the ways to like encourage moms to let their kids play and that not to look down on that time as unproductive or whatever and then I realized like there shouldn't just be learning and then playtime like that's great like I want to give my kids lots and lots of time to just free play and develop their imaginations and um, explore and things but I was like you know I have found myself at times thinking let's just hurry up and get through this book work or let's just hurry up and read this and get through this and and then we can play just stay with me for a few more minutes and Mm -hmm. I started to think that's starting to verge on the format and scheduling of traditional school that I yes like that's not why we homeschool you know so I was like I was so inspired just even it wasn't the initial inspiration for the bundle but I began getting so fired up putting it together like it's not just about giving our kids time to play and giving them a childhood but it's actually we have the ability to give them the gift of learning through play of giving them playful learning that's exactly right well and I think it's hard to to separate I mean I grew up in a public school so Mm -hmm. yeah you know when I first started homeschooling actually our first year of homeschooling was really hard I mean it was the hardest because I was so public school minded. I mean, I literally had things hour by hour, you know, okay, from 10 to 11, we'll do, you know, writing and from 11 to 12, we'll do reading and then we can have a recess, you know, because that's what you reward your kids with play, right? Exactly. You know, the reason we chose to homeschool is to be free from that scheduling and have flexibility. And so once I kind of started to shift my focus, to this isn't public school, you know, I'm, I'm teaching them at home, we can really do whatever I want, then it seemed like everything became so integrated, you know, play and schoolwork, they can go hand in hand. I really loved that. It actually gave me such a sense of freedom. They can work together so beautifully, really. Have you ever seen or heard of story cubes? I think we have a set, but it's like we're missing all of them. <laughs> oh, yes. Oh, I know. It's like once a month I have to like look at We have under one story cube left in the box. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, yes, I totally get that. We lose ours all the time. But it is really fun. Um, Yeah, you just shake them and however they fall. I don't know how many are there, like six or seven or something. Yeah, something like that. Okay, and you can make up a story, you know, based on each one. And I think it's so fun just to hear the kids' stories, just their imagination. And it's fun to see the older kids, like my nine-year-old, you know, his stories are really detailed and using lots of adjectives and, you know, different things. And then the younger kids, it's just so sweet their innocence and you know they haven't built up a very big vocabulary yet so just to hear their simple stories but they're so sweet 
that reminds me of John Holt and the whole like early yes. movement. What I love about John Holt was that he was an educator, but he didn't believe oh. in the education system where they just did so many measurements and testing and things like that. But so many of his books are just stories of him sitting down with children yes. and just seeing what developed when he opened a piece of paper and just started writing numbers. And at the end, what actually came of that, it's not necessarily measurable. Yeah. You know, like the story yes. cubes are doing something like that. It's not necessarily measurable, but it's priceless. It's immeasurable, which is a better way to be. That's exactly right. It's so funny that you mentioned him because I actually was just reading his philosophy about math and it was really encouraging my heart because my oldest, he's good at math, but he doesn't enjoy doing it. And so I'm like, is there something I'm doing wrong? Or is there something I can change? So I was reading about what he said and he said, my approach to math is this, what do adults use numbers for? You know, we use them to measure things. We measure things so that having measured them, we can do things with them. And, you know, so he was encouraging the use of you know, rulers and tape measures, things like that, scales, thermometers. So, you know, I started bringing out those things. My son now measures everything on a scale and we try to go around the house guessing what's something that would weigh exactly one pound and different things like that to make it a little bit more fun and playful. And I wish that I was a little bit more creative in that way. I do have to pull from so many resources because I do want to make, not that everything our kids do has to be fun, but it would make it a lot more enjoyable for their learning if what they were doing was enjoyable and not like pulling teeth, you know, every time we sit down to try to do a certain subject. So I love his philosophy so much. And I love that you brought him up. Sometimes I think reading a stuff, I wanted there to be some, here's the great idea that you should get from this story. (laughs) And there isn't always. And he's like, I don't really know. I don't know what to tell you and why this is important. I just want you to know that as an educator and what I've seen that it is valuable and what that child is learning, we may not be able to measure, but that makes it all the better. You know, I read a quote by Charlotte Mason once that said, education, like faith, is the evidence of things not seen. Mm. And I thought, that is so true. You know, yeah. like a true education. Like we can measure, we can give them tests, and we can say, write down how many ducks you see, and you know, yeah, right. divide right. this many ducks from this many ducks. But that's not the education. There are skills that we are teaching our children. But if we can do that in a playful way, why wouldn't we? What is the actual definition of play? I mean, I know what play is, but... yeah. So yeah. I was like, I'm going to look it up. Yeah. And it's just an activity engaged in for enjoyment, especially mm-hmm. for children. And playful, the definition of playful is being full of play or frolicsome. And I thought we can make learning frolicsome and that way they can enjoy it. And it's proven that when kids enjoy doing an activity, they remember it and they learn yes. it and they can recall it later. That and is exactly right. This month, Bundle Playful, we have all sorts of great things. We have playing with nature and ways to do that. We have a great handcraft tutorial for making paper beads by Rachel Kovac. And we also have a Pippi Longstocking book club. I'm so excited about it. Ramey Harrison did a Pippi Longstocking book club. And it's just so fun. I just thought the epitome of playful. But we have a whole section on playful learning, like ideas to make learning playful that um, Zane, one of our Wild and Free Mamas, contributed to. And then also Stephanie Beatty did a whole section on game schooling. And she's like the queen of games. She's really yeah. great at doing like all sorts of games and incorporating that. And I'm not great at that. I want mm. to be. Like I feel like I'm a playful mom when I'm not doing school. I feel yes. like after, like, this is our, 
this is our seventh year homeschooling and I feel like I've gotten wow. so much less playful in our learning because I just mm -hmm. it's kind of stressful because we have a one-year-old preschool and I feel like there's so much going on that I've let the stress and the seriousness of it take away from the playfulness of it so I'm re-inspired I re-inspired myself and all these moms actually inspired me this month too yes. just to bring back the playfulness and learning well that's what's so great about these bundles and this community and just even social media in general I know sometimes it can be harmful but in this case I just I love this community so much because I'm so inspired hired by these moms like it's so great to be able to just get on and pull from some of their ideas and and I just I really have loved that like I've learned so much actually there's a mom that I got connected with through um Ramey and I think it's called homemade math do you know what I'm talking about Ainsley yes yes she's okay, yeah. in Australia right yes she is yes and I loved her idea we're going through Chronicles of Narnia right now which is so great the kids all love it I just was looking at her she has a Chronicles of Narnia math that you know like you measure how tall Edmund is, you know, with her, I think it comes as a kit, add his height to Lucy's height. And, you know, just, I, I think that's so fun. And this is not necessarily a plug for her. I just, I love that she created this math that's so playful and would get kids really excited and interested in math. And my kids would be all for it, especially now since we're reading through even the book our, series. Yeah. You know, we can even do that on our own. And it's like, I don't know why that's, I don't do more of that, you know, yes, just no. <laughs> rather than just like, okay, let's finish our math. And then we can do something fun <laughs> right right exactly yes I know I know and a few times I've been tempted to and actually I I kind of used to do this several years ago almost use it as a form of punishment which is horrible I mean I do not do that but you know what I mean knowing he doesn't really like it it's like okay well you have to do an extra page of your math today you know that is so terrible when you're doing something fun yeah. with them and they're not enjoying it and you're like well do you want to do math do you <laughs> exactly it's like no that's the worst thing I know we've all hopefully we've all been there but oh I know but yeah that's just being real real right now but I yeah <laughs> I read recently I think it's an older article but in the New York Times there was an article that was called let the kids learn through play and mm. it was just talking about how formal education has gotten so serious and they just keep taking the age younger and younger where mm. now formal education starts at the age of four wow. or five and the thought is starting sooner means that they'll learn more because they get that information and children's brains are like sponges the younger you start the more you can cram in you know the early bird catches the worm right right and it went on to like talk about just the growing group of experts and scientists and education researchers that talk about how it's actually having the opposite effect mm. and it's causing unnecessary stress in younger children and then even souring sure. the kids desire to learn at all and so by the time they're like in the third grade they're just over it they yeah. just then see school so as like a drudgery and they've kind of shut off they learn what they have to to get by yeah but there's no fun and they don't take any sort of like sense of exploration into learning new ideas and I feel like even with homeschooling like we can do that to our kids too on accident yeah. you know Absolutely. like when I see it in my kids I'm like oh no losing their spark again and it's because yeah. we've just kind of made it too mundane or I've been or I get stressed out because I've heard another kids knows how to do such and such and yes like, oh, I need to make sure my kids know how to do that and so I'm like guys do you realize that you're behind like you don't even know how to recite this poem you yes, know? <laughs> exactly and really I think most of that stress comes from comparison I really don't think we would have the amount of stress that we do about you know whether our kids are where they're supposed to be if it weren't for being able to see I mean at our fingertips you know we can see 
all these other moms and what they're doing and what their kids are doing. And I think sometimes that lets insecurities creep in for us, you know, because we see, oh my goodness, they, you know, have all of their times tables memorized and my kid is struggling, you know, just to learn addition or what, you know, whatever it might be. And being able to see all that is, is maybe a a big struggle for moms, just that insecurity, you know, of the comparison game, you know, which we all know is wrong and that it's the thief of joy. We all know that, but it, you know, it's still there and it's still real and we still have to deal with it. Okay, everyone. Now we're going to listen in on a conversation that Jennifer Pepito had with Stephanie Beatty. You're going to love it. Today, I'm so excited to talk to Stephanie Beatty. She's at Lifeographer on Instagram, and she's one of my favorite wild and free contributors. She's been at pretty much every conference I've been to, and I think she's been to one more than me, and just a super sweet friend and a real wise mother, and I'm excited to hear what she has to say today about playful learning. So thanks so much for joining me today, Stephanie. Thank you, Jen. That was such a warm welcome. Oh, I'm so happy to have the chance to chat with you. It's always like so much fun hanging out at a conference. And then there's this long period in between where we both live on opposite sides of the country and hardly get to see each other at all. It's true. So I'm always glad to connect with you when I can online and in a call like this is a real treat. I'm really hoping to go to family camp too. It was wonderful last year. I don't think we're going to make it this year because of my husband's job, but the following year. Yeah. Then the following year you'll be camping all the time, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. We want to make it back for, for, again, for sure. It was a highlight of our family. Yes. I'm excited. So you are homeschooling. What ages this year? Kind of what grades? My kids are 10, 8, 6, and 4, and uh, the oldest is technically fifth grade. Then I have uh, second grade and kindergarten, and then my um, youngest is technically he's pre-kindergarten. How fun. So you have basically four kids who all can do some bit of school. You don't have any babies that you have to try and keep quiet while you're doing a reading lesson or something. That's right. Yeah, we're really sort of in this new era of homeschooling or this new stage or phase where um, it's gotten a lot easier in many ways um, without having toddlers and babies running around, even though the youngest is still four and needs some hands-on attention throughout the day. It's not quite the same, but um, now I also have three kids that are actually in you know a more slightly more formal school setting. So there's a, a challenge that comes along with that as well. Right. So now you are using a math curriculum that involves quite a bit of play. And do you incorporate playful learning in other subjects as well? Absolutely. Yeah. And I think um, the last time we talked on the podcast, I was able to share about the math curriculum that we've been using for six years now. And it's called Right Start Math. It fits in nicely with the Charlotte Mason method of teaching math. And several classical educators use it as well. The basic concepts are taught and they're reinforced by using games. And that was really my first exposure to using games and formally in sort of an academic school setting, you know, as our time's gone on, that those lines between school and life have blurred a lot more than when I was a new homeschooling mom. But that was sort of my introduction to games and homeschool and education. My friend <laughs> just came over the other day and taught me how to play corners. 
Yes, that's a favorite <laughs> game. That's one of the hallmarks of, of the curriculum. And go to the dump. There are several others that all the Right Start kids would know. Yeah, I'm so excited because I love the idea of incorporating games, but sometimes it seems like we get so focused on our curriculum that we forget to pull out a game. And I love that they've incorporated them. That's right. And, you know, so it's nice that that curriculum does it for you. But um, just sort of as a society at large, you know, we have emphasized like early literacy and numeracy um, at these younger ages. In general, kids are missing out on play, which is one of the most important ways that children learn. In fact, it's probably the most important way. I think a lot of homeschool moms, though, have that figured out already. And that's one of the reasons we brought our children home to educate them just to preserve their childhood a little bit longer. So when you talk about play, are you talking about playing while doing school, like incorporating a game? Or are you talking about a wider definition of it? Well, I would say both for sure. And I I think I would say that the games are maybe a subset of that wider, broader definition. Well, I just have been reading a little bit about Finnish schools and they up until I think the ages of seven or something, leave a lot of time just for imaginative play where the kids can, you know, make their own use open-ended things in the in the play yard or whatever to make up their own games, which is something that a lot of us as children did naturally. So do you incorporate some of that kind of free time as well? Absolutely. In fact, it's the priority. And some days nothing gets done but play. And I will still consider that one of our most productive days. I feel like since I began homeschooling and from my background, which was a public, a standard public education background, my idea of what learning is and what's productive and what's important has kind of been shifted on its head. Interesting. That's so fun. I I know that I am kind of like a loose schooler in a sense, like I don't super tightly plan every day. And I'll let my kids have breaks in between subjects to, you know, this morning, Ezra started out, he'd gotten a little tube of pioneer guys, and we've been reading Little House on the Prairie. So he got those out and set up a little town or whatever. And so then I would call him to the table to do a subject. And then I'd let him have, you know, five or 10 minutes to play. And then I'd call him Mm -hmm. back to do another lesson. But you're talking about like having a whole like bunch of hours carved out for play in the day? Yeah, you know, we do. Ideally, I mean, I have this, I mean, I'm sort of a type A, or at least in my previous world, I was sort of this type A, very structured person, because I needed that. And even I still think um, our homeschool does thrive on, on structure as well. But I've really relaxed a lot of my expectations and my ideals of what a homeschool day should look like for us and what a productive homeschool day is. And it's not how much learning goes in, but I feel like it's how much they have enjoyed their days and how interested they are in things and are they pursuing on their own things versus me giving them information to process and then output and prove what they know. So play provides an opportunity for them to incorporate those things and whether we're doing read-alouds and they're acting things out like you said or uh, we're studying something and then we're reinforcing it with sort of a formal sit-down time, a, a game for math, for reading for history, those kinds of things. One, it makes school a lot more fun and not really like what our society might define as school either. Do you set up the play or is it something that mostly they're figuring out on their own because of the books you read or how how is that happening? Well, I would say it's both, you know, sorry, I don't have a lot of black and white answers because it's sort of fluid with our family too as it grows. But so for setting up play and, and actually some hardcore play researchers would say it's not play if you're setting it up or if there's an educational goal in mind to um, some scientists, they actually, they'll define play as something that the pure 
purpose of play is simply to have fun and for the enjoyment of it and not to meet an educational goal. But there are others that say you can incorporate play, which might be used interchangeably um, with the word like fun into your learning. So sure, I'll set out invitations to play. Uh, there's a concept called strowing or strewing. Jody Mockaby talked about it at the conference where you'll sort of leave things out for your children to discover on their own, whether it's a game or something, a new pack of art pencils in a, a book or a new library book, those kinds of things for them to stumble upon and, and find on their own. So I could set up an invitation for something creative. And sometimes with our mask, for example, I will say, hey, okay, now we're not going to have a, a formal lesson. We're going to play a game instead. Or I won't even say that it's math. We'll just sit down and whether it's uno or whether it's a game that is from our right start math we'll do that and then there's time in the afternoon for free play always and many times that involves the kids playing games with each other making games up or um, and when I say games in this sense I mean things like board games or card games and of course there's countless hours of outside and pretend play those sorts of things which is kind of the best isn't it like when I had younger kids I feel like I gave them a little bit more freedom to play because there was maybe less academic expectation on the older ones they were all young and so it was easy just in the afternoon to let them go outside and play for hours while I got laundry done or chatted with a friend and I didn't necessarily play with them even but they made up amazing you know worlds basically they they would build the rocks a box in kind of a village or something and and those would be their houses so it's interesting how having a schedule that's too tight or even sometimes having too many expectations ruins play. It's true. And, you know, I was just reading about um, a study by the Lego. They actually have an institute, a foundation. And one of their major pushes right now is the importance of play. And it's not really just to push their product, but to do what, like you said, um, sort of some of European countries say that really until the age of seven or eight, a majority of learning should come through play. Because we are more overscheduled than we've ever been in our current society um, with activities, and these are even for kids in Europe. I think this was an article in a, a British magazine that there just isn't time for free play for many families like there used to be. By the time a kid gets up and goes to school and comes home and does homework and does karate and all of these activities for four days a week, there's very little time for that. But as homeschooling families, I feel like uh, in a lot of cases, we don't necessarily have that same constraint to a large degree, or at least we're able to pull back if we need to. Right. And I, and I, th- I loved your talk about Huga or yeah. Huga at the, I think it was Wild and Free in Williamsburg. I think. It was so, it was so impactful for me because you set up in your family to just take a year off from sports and all kinds of extracurricular activities so that you could carve out time for playing. I think that seems so bold and scary to a lot of families today because we're so used to being like in the car all the time going, going, going. Right. You know, I'm not going to say that during that time, and we really still are in that period since we moved here, gosh, it'll be two years in May. There was a natural break for us with a move from Florida to Virginia. We're a military family. We move all the time. But there was a natural break for us because we would came to Virginia and didn't have community. We weren't plugged in anywhere yet. So it's easy for us to put a halt to some of those things that we had been doing in Florida, aside from our, our church activities. But since then, we've began to ease back a little bit into some activities. And really, that's just one day a week of gymnastics for my kids. After a year, a little over a year, maybe a year, it was a year and a half, I guess, we decided to add one activity into the schedule 
that wasn't on Sundays. And, um, and then we've also recently started a, a small group. And so we've had some activities that we've incorporated back into the schedule, but it's been, it was really telling for our family. It, it was also a, a kind of a tough year for us. It was good to have that blank space on the calendar for a lot of reasons. But one was really so that we could sort of explore more fully what it looks like to have perspective on slower living in an opportunity for the kids to really get bored and to engage their imaginations, to be creative, to play. And did you see them get more creative at their play and their imaginative time? Absolutely. I mean, we've read more books than we ever have since we've been here. And that alone, just reading books, completely alters their play. We're reading from the Beautiful Feet series, the Dallaire books right now on uh, Leif the Lucky. And because we, uh, in our history, it paralleled with a Viking study. So we sort of took a break and we're studying Vikings. So naturally, the kids are now acting like they're on Viking ships. And when they have modeling clay or this new clay foam that I give them while they read, they're, you know, they're building longboats and they're looking up the armor and, you know, they're outside acting stories out. And that just happens naturally. And it might not happen naturally at first. It may take a while but those kinds of things do unfold, and you'll hear countless people, um, Sarah McKenzie on the Read Aloud Revival, and some of the guests that she's had on there, discuss those sorts of things, and even what you mentioned. You know, my kids will pretend they're boxcar children, and that they're orphans in the yard all the time. So whatever you're, the things that we're reading trickle down and influence even the youngest child. I love that, and I love how, you know, basically we get sometimes tied up in knots about making sure our kids are good communicators when in the early years if you see them acting out and playing out Mm -hmm. some of the stuff you've read then really you are seeing them narrate and communicate those ideas that have you've been inputting so I love that you could really see that and then did you feel like there was any areas that your kids lost ground in because they weren't going to sporting activities or they weren't going to weekly classes you know that's hard to say I would say No, in general, mostly it was a big relief. My oldest child is exceptionally social. He's very extroverted. And so I would say that he did miss some of the time, the constant stimulation by friends. But this is also the child that when we lived in a neighborhood in Florida and we didn't have the space to play outside, if a neighbor kid was there with his latest gadget, my son would want to bolt out the door and leave his siblings behind. So he has missed some of that. But at the same time, I've seen his relationship with his siblings cement like I would never have imagined. And so I feel like there's been a bit of give and take, but anything that we may have lost in that transition, we've been well rewarded on this side and I wouldn't change it. No, it's really interesting when you think about community because it's really important for me, for my kids to have a wider community than just us. But Mm -hmm. I also feel like when people can get along with the people who live in their home and love them and appreciate them and enjoy spending time with them, then it's going to make any community that you can extend from there that much richer because you're not you're not escaping the people you live with you're just opening your community a little wider to include more people so I love that you're able to see that and most parents when they go to slow down and carve out more time for play or carve out more time for games they're scared that by eradicating a sports activity or 
a class outside the home that their kids won't be getting what they need. But often what they do need is that space to develop and develop relationships or develop an imagination. It's true. And, you know, I'll say like this year, we've also made some wonderful homeschool friends while we're here. And so that's really been a major social outlet for us, as well as my son in church and some of the worship teams and things he's participating in. So they haven't been completely isolated. We belong to a pool and things like that. We just stepped back from more formal activities. And it really gave us more time for social activities with friends or with people who needed time together. And the opportunity to get to know people on a deeper level, because we had a lot more time to invest in them and to give to them. So I would counteract it with that. But yeah, I love what you said there. I think the relationships that it builds is amazing. And not only that, like going back to playing games and things, I'm not a naturally playful person. It's really hard for me sometimes to enjoy sitting down and playing games. Unlike my husband, who is Mr. Fun, like he just is amazing and fun. And he walks in a room and it lights up because he's always the funnest guy in the room. And when you're married to a guy like that, you're just not as much fun. So it's sort of been a discipline for me. And the more you do it, the more you enjoy it because you see the rewards that come and the bonding that also comes. Not only are my kids learning, but they really are. We're developing, um, we're having shared common experiences and we're bonding together. And they're feeling like they get more one-on-one time with mom when we're doing sort of a formal activity like that. So are you saying that you actually play with your kids? Or are you just talking about like the educational games? Like, do you go out and play Little House on the Prairie with them? Or are you more talking about that you're engaging in some of the games and the arts and crafts and fun things like that? Mm -hmm. Well, primarily like the games and arts and crafts, I try to be more involved in that because the kids could play most of the games, honestly, by themselves at this point with my oldest son who could lead them. But really, there's something special about being involved with that. I'm not outside as much playing boxcar children with them. I think they kind of enjoy that time on their own. Sometimes they're a little embarrassed, especially the older ones if mom's around for that. But what I do do, they love when I throw a football with them. They love when I get out there and push them on swings. They love when we go hiking and exploring together. So we do things that all of us enjoy together. We go swimming together. And I try to get in the cold water more often because I often sit on the edge. Those kinds of things. I I try to put myself out there and play with my kids in a way that might be not just natural for me always. But I make it a priority to do it because it's really just, again, it's fostering relationships. Right. That's so good. I know I'm not the most playful person either. Like I love you know, coloring or cutting out the paper dolls or helping set up the Calico Critter house or Mm. helping set up the Playmobil setup. But when it comes to actually like acting like I'm one of the little people, I have a really hard time with that. But, (laughs) but, you know, like you say, I mean, finding ways to get involved and laugh with our kids and enjoy our kids is just so important for even I feel like their self-esteem, their sense of being an important person in our world, when we're willing to set aside what might be the most fun thing for us to engage in something that's fun for them. It's encouraging. It's true. And you know, I would say there's such a difference. And as I was you were talking, it, it kind of reminded me of that is that when you tell my our kids, and I say it countless times a day myself, but hey, go play, go out and play, go play. There's a real difference when you say, hey, come play, come play with me. If you say come play to your kids, I mean, they light up. It's amazing. 
and even go play. Sometimes it's a relief to go play. It's either go play or clean the kitchen. You know, we'll go play and they're, they're out of here. But come play with me has a, a completely different feel than go play. And and I think that in general is sort of what this last two years has been about. And more importantly, it's really an attitude that I am working personally, almost a habit that I'm working to form to be more ready to say that, to make right. other things that are less important wait. And I think that, you know, the, that idea of come play really translates to everything. Like my kids are happy to haul firewood with me or with their dad, but if they're sent off to haul firewood, it's like an opportunity for a fight, you know, or, or they're happy to do almost any chore. Like almost any chore is more fun when you do it together. So really just being willing in every area of our life to incorporate relationship and incorporate make it a time where we can talk or we can connect is going to reap so many benefits so I have one more question for you what about the role of electronics in play like do games online play a big role do you have an opinion on how big of a role they should play yeah you know I could only have an opinion on the role they should play for my own family. I feel like electronics is one of those areas that every family has to find out what works best for them. For us personally, my oldest son would struggles or has struggled at a very early age. It was very evident that he would struggle with addiction to screens. Some kids have it. Some kids don't. If the rest of my kids are fine with screen time in moderation, um, but the oldest, it just is something that became very quickly, even when he was very young, very obsessive. So we've had to really limit screen time in a way that we probably wouldn't otherwise, based just on the makeup of our family. For us, though, there is still electronic time that is earned, and that's just in a few minutes of increments for things like Dreambox, which is a math program that we use um, for the older kids. Chess Kids Online is something that he likes to do. That's a reward for him. We don't own a game console or video gaming. That's something they do get to do when they visit cousins or visit grandparents or a friend that has one or the dentist because our dentist has one. So it makes going to the dentist very exciting. Um, And we don't do just regular games on the phone with rare exception. But for us, the games that they do get to play, they really do enjoy. And it's something that they like. And most of it is educationally based when when they do have that screen time. They even enjoy, because they have limited screen time, things like going on Google Maps is really exciting to them and looking around and looking at the globe and the world. So because they have limited amounts of it, um, the educational opportunities that they're exposed to, they enjoy a lot more than if they, uh, at least if my oldest were to have games all the time, he would enjoy those activities a lot less. I love Does that. that oh, it totally <laughs> makes sense. It's funny because right now I have one game on my phone. It's Splash Math and I haven't paid yes. for it. So you get like five tries and then you're done. <laughs> so, right. And then yes. the other thing, so Ezra, if he gets my phone, he'll play, he'll try his five math act games and then he'll go on Google Maps and look at the world. Uh, you know, look at satellite images of places we've been or want to be. So, you know, I do think think that we are in an age where so much is untested. You know what I mean? There's so many things that are mm-hmm. new and we have no idea what the outcome of them are going to be. So for me, we we're sort of trying to do things the way we've seen decent outcomes from. And for us, that means not a big emphasis on electronics, at least until they're a little bit older and have formed an imagination and 
some of those underlying developmental things have fallen into place. But I know every family's different and, and there's lots of things that seem like, you know, you can get on a soapbox about and then it turns out that everybody turns out just the same no matter what you did, you know. Yeah, so. you know, you have to find your way and especially in that area because really it's, it would be different for all of my children. I love technology. I'm a geek, uh, like a techno geek and I love to try to incorporate it when I can in ways that really, like you said, foster imagination and creativity as opposed to create passive entertainment. Um, if there's active engagement and learning that can happen, but also in, in great moderation. And it has to really be even in more moderation just because of um, because of our specific family situation. But yeah, there's no question. If, if I were to give them open screen time, they would definitely prefer screen time instead of going outside and playing. No question. Right. And and honestly, I mean, I, I'm sure a lot of us as parents would be just as, you know, just as prone to want to sit on Instagram as opposed to running around outside if we didn't have some discipline or some, you know, inner ability to say, I think going outside and getting fresh air is better for me right now. It's true. I mean, absolutely. We It's easy sometimes to just want to sit in a screen in front of a screen and just sort of clear your head mindlessly right to right. Take a mo- mothering is <laughs> yes, hard sometimes it's hard. it feels good to yes, do nothing absolutely it's <laughs> funny how how uh, you know when you are in an intense mothering day it's just very easy to want to like hop anywhere that's not that intense mothering day whether it's chocolate wine or instagram so that's right definitely. it's just an escapism of some <laughs> yes, kind yes. But, you know, or, or a netflix binge watching whatever whatever true. your poison is yes. that's right well i will say though i found being here um, where we live on these sort of three acres in the woods going outside is really the best thing for me and i still have to tell myself that so i, I feel like you know our kids don't know that yet so that's our role to say hey it's better out here. It's yes, better for you that's out beautiful. here. That's beautiful. With the phone plugged in inside, right? That's right. <laughs> right. So, Go out and play. Mom. Yes. <laughs> well, I so enjoyed having the chance to chat with you today, Stephanie. Thank you very much for taking the time. Gosh, thanks for having me. It's always so much fun to, to catch up. And, and I love chatting about these things that all of us in the homeschool community are doing. Yes. And I can't wait to see you in Nashville this uh, September. That's right. It's getting closer. It's going to be amazing. That was such a great interview. If you want to hear the whole conversation, it's in our monthly content bundle, Playful, at bewildandfree.org slash bundles. Before we go, if you haven't heard about it, we're hosting our Wild and Free Family Camp this summer at Trail West Lodge in Buena Vista, Colorado. It's going to be an amazing time with Wild and Free families from all over the country. You can check it out at bewildandfree.org slash familycamp. Thanks so much for joining us today, and we'll be back soon with the Wild and Free podcast.